Amen. I believe in the sovereignty of God today. Meaning that all things are in control by his power and his authority and his name, his blood, his word. Uh, no matter what man tries to do, if someone of authority were to walk in here today, uh, some potentate, some king, some p particular position, uh, prestige or a political position for that matter in our country, uh, we would term it that they have a certain eminence about them. But the word tells us that he has the preeminence. That's right. And so can I tell you today, uh, you are in the hands, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to be in the hands of a living God. Right. It is a fearful, but we are in the hands of a living God today yeah. who has all authority and power and his name is above everything that is named. Yeah. All things are subject to the name of Jesus, the authority of the one God that he is. He's the creator of all creation. Everybody understand this right now. He is the sovereign God. There is nothing that takes the preeminence over our God. His name is one. He is one. His name is Jesus today. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Why, why is that important? Because that's the unity of who he is. The fullness of the Godhead dwells within him bodily. That means all authority is given to him. Uh, so if the enemy has tried to captivate you or corner you in fear or intimidation and trying to make you feel that there is no hope and life is, uh, life is discouraging and have no reason to go on. Can I tell you, you have reason in God today because he is for you. This one God is for you. Aren't you thankful that Jesus knows your name today and the sovereign God of all creation is on your side? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, if you would please, Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, Jeremiah chapter five. Um, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to do so. I'm not sure that it's on the podcast yet, but, uh, or on YouTube, but I encourage you to go back and listen to last week, uh, whom the father loveth. And this is somewhat of a companion message to that, a continuation looking at a different place in the word. Um, and today I'm going to primarily preach from this entire chapter uh, this fifth chapter of the book of Jeremiah, or at least the intonation of it, and pick out a, a few particular verses that we need to look at, but there'll be other places we'll go in the Word, and some things that I have said before uh, that I want to say again today to echo them, to help someone uh, possibly who has not heard them, or someone that needs to be reminded of them of how important these things in the Word are. Um, we are living in unique and, and very challenging times when it comes to the spiritual implications of things that are surrounding us and that we are constantly inundated with. And unless there is something internal within us that is continually submitted to God, we will find ourselves succumbing, uh, being crushed by the pressure of those outside things. But greater is he that is in us. <laughs> there is the difference. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so today, I, I want to be filled to capacity with the glory of God. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. When we are filled with the Holy Ghost, then we have a balance. There's an there's a internal pressure that we know that we won't have to give in to the things of the enemy. Amen. And so, if you would please, the book of Jeremiah, the 21st verse, we will begin and read through, read through the uh, 25th. Hear now this. O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, 
saith the Lord. Will you not tremble at my presence? But shall place the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it. And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail, though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. But this people hath a revolting and rebellious heart, they are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain both the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. Now, let me talk to you and walk with me in the word for a moment about a matter of life, a matter of life. Father, I love you and I thank you for your good word and I thank you for allowing us to be in this house today, every one of us, God, and I pray that every mind and heart, life, home, individual would be touched and that we would be surrendered and submitted to your word and God, that we would know it for thou hast the words of life. Where else can we go? And so God, be glorified in us. Anoint me and anoint this people and thank you, God, that you are merciful and that you are kind and patient with us. And we love you, God. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. amen. Now say something very, very nice, very nice to some two people nearby you and tell them that you are glad that they are in this place today and that you see them. Amen. All right. Going up to the high places. Going up to the high places. Sing it. Going up to the high places, tearing Satan's kingdom down. Yes, yes, yes. Going up to the high places. Going up to the high places. Going up to the high places, tearing Satan's kingdom down. I believe now. Going up to the high places. Going up to the high places, going up to the high places, tearing Satan's kingdom down. Come on, everybody, sing it. Yes. Going up to the high places, going up to the high places, going up to the high places, tearing Satan's kingdom down. Yes, we will now. Going up to the high places, going up to the high places, going up to the high places, tearing Satan's kingdom down. One more time, yes. Going up to the high places, going up to the high, high, high places, going up to the high places. Tearing Satan's kingdom down. Do you believe that today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. To God be the glory. Jeremiah was the voice given and used by God who time and again tried to arrest the attention of Israel and plead with them to correct the error of their ways and, and return to God. Um, take time to read it. Take time to understand the book of Jeremiah sometimes. It's a thick book. It's difficult to get through. It's, it's one of those books that make you think and, and uh, hope for the end uh, of a better day. 
And so he was given that voice, used of God, the call to bring them back to where they needed to be, Israel and Judah. Yet with each word given, Israel and Judah resisted that change, though repeatedly, and you look in the book of Jeremiah, you'll see this, though repeatedly they would agree with Jeremiah and they would still, uh, they would still continue on even though there was the agreement with him in word, they would still continue on with no lasting repentance. Um, the idolatry was tolerated, and in time it was, it was accepted. The disregard for God and his authority in their life became almost, it was almost a lifestyle to them. They became unthankful, ungrateful over time for the blessing that they had been given Israel and Judah. So the sentence... The sentence was captivity, a carrying away to Babylon, a strange land where once again they would become the servants and the slaves to those in those cities. That is always the unnatural progression when there is the subtle abandonment from God and his authority in our life. That's always the unnatural progression that when we ignore, when we abandon the things of God in our life, the ways of God in our life, the, the ways of God uh, that bring us and keep us in salvation. Ultimately, we find ourselves becoming servants to those sins. My God, my God. When and where his influence and, and, his, and the blessings of God and ultimate salvation, it becomes uh, unappreciated and, and, and we simply just begin to take what we do here, what we have here, what we live our life, we begin to take it for granted. Um, where our worship and our service is given to other, I'm, still, I'm talking about us now, I'm not talking about Israel and Judah, okay? where our worship and our service is given to other false idols in our life and we serve the creature more than we serve the creator. Where we feel the grip of conviction but do little to change in response of repentance. We sense the conviction. We sense the message. We hear the voice. We know the sound. But we do little in response of repentance to change to that conviction that we have felt. This became the thought process, a pattern of living, a, a condition of heart that, that led to the actions of Israel in their lives ultimately. They have belied. They have belied the Lord. In other words, they have lied about the Lord. That's what this is saying. They lied about God and said, it's not he. It's not God who's saying this, Jeremiah. That's not God. You're saying it, but that's not the word of God. And neither shall evil come upon us. Uh, you can say it, Jeremiah, but we know that we can do whatever we want because there's not going to be evil come upon us because that's not God. Neither shall we see sword or famine. They lied about God. They said, they said it was not God. In other words, that what was being said and warned of simply just did not matter. It did not matter because they did not believe it was of God. Because evil would not come upon them that it would not, in other words, it, would, it just simply wouldn't happen to them because they didn't believe it. They would not be required for what they were doing because they did not believe what they were doing was wrong and they did not believe that it was God telling them to change. No sword, no famine, no captivity. It did not matter what they did because to them, there was no consequence. There was no consequence to their, everybody needs to hear this right now because we live in a culture to where there is, there, there is the intonation that there is no consequence to action. There is no consequence to inaction. Uh, we can do whatever we want, whatever's right in our own eyes, say what we want, feel. Everybody seems kind of mad right now. 
Everybody getting that? Everybody just seems kind of angry right now in the world. Everybody's a little mad. And so because everybody's a little bit mad, you're not mad, are you? No, sir. I knew it. Um, everybody's just a little bit, you know, you okay? Everybody's got diaper rash, it feels like, right? Is this being recorded? Be sure and cut that out. Would you do that? That's embarrassing. Everybody's just a little mad right now. And because everybody's a little angry and mad right now, we can just do what we want. We can say what we want. And we can be the way we want. Because we've got an opinion, and our opinion is right. That's the way humanity thinks. And we ignore, we ignore in our culture, we ignore, we ignore the voice of God that is trying to get our attention. We, we, we say it's not God, when God very well could be in it because God orchestrates things outside of our knowledge. He reaches through ways to us to save us that we fail to comprehend sometimes. Look at this, if you would, please. Because uh, sentence against an evil work, I've read this to you before, it's a profound verse. Sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Um, you got to see the message between the lines in this particular verse. The line, uh, sentence uh, uh, or the consequence of an evil work is not executed speedily. Why is it not executed speedily? Why is the, the sentence against an evil work not executed speedily? Why is it not acted on when we want it to be acted on, how we want it to be acted on in the immediate moment that we want it to be acted? Why? Because the grace and the mercy of God keeps reaching, trying That's to it. call for correction. That's it. That's it. He's done it for you and I time and time again. You and I are the recipients of grace. We sit in this place today, uh, have been given mercy and grace time, anybody? Time and time again where we have failed and God wooed us back to him. And thank God for that space of grace between the lines. But because we humanity live with immediate gratification in mind, we set our heart to go ahead and not be restrained and not be corrected. That's just the way humanity is. That's just the way my flesh is, your flesh, and everybody. We, we live with immediate gratification in mind. We want to be immediately gratified. That's why we have drive throughs and when they take more than a minute, we're, we're upset about it. Because we want immediate gratification. And, and, and so we set our heart to go ahead and do whatever we want. Because we want immediate satisfaction and gratification. That was Judah and Israel. That is any and all of us if there is not acceptance and action to that which is right in his word and the leading of his spirit. If there's not the acting on what is right in our spirit, then we can find ourselves being more concerned about the immediate gratification than the eternal reward. Look at this if you would please. I've said this many times. The saving of our soul is more important than that of the satisfying of our flesh. The next time your flesh wants to have its way in an attitude or an appetite, uh, when we want to live, uh, when we want to live its own way and, and ignore the convicting and convincing power of God's love to save us, everybody remember this statement. My salva the salvation of my soul is more important than my flesh. The salvation, of my, the salvation of our soul is more important than the satisfying of my flesh. Come on, when you're in the dark alone and, you should, and, and doing something we shouldn't be doing, when you're out about and you're, and you're tempted to tell a lie and, and when you're, and you're living your life and something goes wrong and you want to let your flesh get the best of you, can I tell you, the, the saving of your soul is, is more important than the satisfying of your flesh. Amen. 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 When if, well, our flesh wants to live its own way and ignore the convicting and convincing power of God's love to save us, you've got to remember that. The, the living of this present life cannot cause us to forget the present and the eternal impact 
of what we do and how we treat God and godly things in our life. The influence. We cannot let it be forgotten how important what we do and what we live and how we conduct our life is, in, is for the saving of our soul. Hear now this, if you would please. Oh, foolish people and without understanding, which have eyes, I'm going to break this down for a moment, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not, having eyes but do not see, having ears but do not hear. In other words, they lost perception. Israel and Judah lost perception of God. They lost a certain sensitivity, the ability to feel, and, and, and they lost their ability to recognize that that was the voice of God coming through Jeremiah, and it was, it was telling the truth. When we lose the ability to hear the preached word of God, when we lose the ability to hear the taught word of God, the read word of God, the, the spoken word of God, then we are putting ourselves in a place where we become desensitized over time. When we listen to more of that out there and less of this in here, we are going to get jaded. And the Lord said, whereunto, uh, whereunto uh, then shall I liken the, the men of this generation and, and to what are they like? They're likened to children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, this is Christ speaking, uh, we have piped unto you and you have not danced and we have mourned unto you and you have not wept. Indifference, in other words. This is what Jesus was saying about, about this generation right now. He was saying that there is indifference, unmoved, no change from what is seen and from what is heard. Desensitized, if you would. You can see it, but, but you're not acting on it. You can hear it, but you're not responding to it. You can even feel the rhythm of it, but you are not moving with the rhythm of it. Uh, the saving influence of Jesus in both the now and the eternal, it cannot be ignored. Uh, it's something that, that we don't have time. Brother Luke, we don't have time to be indifferent about this. Uh, we don't have time to be indifferent about the things of God in our life, the, the impact of God in our life, the influence of God in our life. It, because uh, can I tell you that the, the narrowing of the window of the return of Christ is happening at, at, at breakneck speed. And it must be the church recognizes we must be saved. That, that we just can't be indifferent about spiritual things and, and we can't ignore them and we can't be uh, desensitized where we cannot hear and we cannot see the hand of God working in all this on, that, that surrounds us so that we might yes, be saved. Sir. Because spiritual captivity can creep up on us gradually. Yeah. I really believe this. Uh, I think it's evident. Spiritual captivity can creep up on us uh, gradually and we can find ourselves lost and not even know it. Because we have become desensitized to spiritual things, to the wooing of the Holy Ghost, to the breaking, uh, to the yielding to him. Look at Jeremiah again if you would. Fear you not me, this was a question. This was God now speaking. Fear you not me, saith the Lord, speaking through Jeremiah. Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by, the, by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass, and though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet they cannot prevail? Though they roar, they, they can't pass over that. But this people, people hath a revolting and, and rebellious heart. They are revolted and they're gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord, our God, that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season, he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Uh, there were three things here now. He said, first of all, do you not fear me? That was the first thing he started out. Fear you not me? Don't you fear me? Don't you recognize who I am? Don't you tremble at my presence? One of the first steps to spiritual apostasy or spiritual abandonment, in other words, of what we believe is to no longer fear God. Wow. It, is, it is that simple. 
When somebody, uh, when there is a backsliding, when there is an abandonment of God, when there is the, the walking away from spiritual things, when there is the, uh, the, the going away from the loyalty to the church and to the things of God, the, one of the very first steps is simply a, a loss of a fear of God. God. We just don't believe that God's going to do it. Uh, we don't believe he's going to come back. We don't believe we have to answer for it. We, just, we can just do whatever we want. That is the first step to apostasy. And apostasy is nothing more than an abandonment of what we believe, of what we embrace, of what we have been taught, even the traditions that we have been taught. While some traditions are very good, some traditions are not. But understand, we have to know why the, fir- the fence was first put up before we tear it down. That's it. That's Everybody okay? Yes, sir. All right. Um, we lose the awe and the wonder and the love and the acknowledgement uh, that we will ultimately, at the end, we will answer to God. You're not going to answer to me. I'm not going to answer to you. We're not going to answer to one another. There is the accountability that is present right now. Are we our brother's keeper? In fact, we are to a certain degree in this present time. But eternally, we answer to God. There is the obligation that we understand we bear one another's burdens right now. But ultimately, I will stand before God and you will stand before God and we will give an account for the deeds done in our body. Let the church say amen. Amen. The second thing in this was that he set a shoreline. This is important for everybody to understand this. I, now, I, don't go to sleep on me on this Sunday morning. Um, the, he set a shoreline, the boundary of the sea, the flood in other words, the flood, whether it was a river, whether it was a sea, whether it was an ocean, whether it was a lake, whether it was a creek down the street. Right. He set the shoreline. Yeah. It was he who held back the flood tide that could sweep all of their life away in a moment. In a moment. The flood was feared. Why was the flood feared? Because the flood could take away who they were in a moment. It was uncontrollable. They couldn't see it coming. They didn't know it was happening. He said, I set the boundary of where that is. The whole landscape of their living was dependent. In other words, he was telling them on his word. Where they lived, who they were, what they owned, what they did, it was all about him. We forget that sometimes the very existence and blessing in our life and ultimate salvation is contingent on Jesus. He is our only hope. He is our only salvation. Everything round about you, everything round about me, everything round about us right now, were it not for God, hmm, but God, but God who is rich in mercy. Were it not for God, I wouldn't have anything. Were it not for God, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Were it not for God, we wouldn't have breath in our body. Were it not for God, we wouldn't have goodness in our life. I don't want to ever forget that. Were it not for the goodness and the grace of God, everything round about, everything round about us in our world, it is contingent upon God. Amen. Amen. Yet too often we live as if, we, as if he is not here and, and that it does not matter and there's nothing to answer for. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, the flood has stayed back. I will tell you, I believe today that if the church were plucked out of the earth right now, if the influence of the church was plucked out of the earth right now, that there would be a flood tide of carnality that would consume this world, the evil that would prevail. But can I tell you, because you came to church today, because you decided you were going to lift your hands and worship today, because you decided you were going to pray this week, decided that you were going to live by the word of God, there is this hedge that has been set in our world that the enemy cannot prevail against. If it was ever, come on, that's why it's important you're here every Sunday. That's why it's important. Everybody gonna preach with me right now for a moment. That's why it's important that we're praying in our lives and in our homes and in this place, that we're living a life that's not just presented on the pew, but it's out on the street as well. Amen, it's who we are, why? Because there is something that I am standing for, that I stand up against, that God decides it's you and I that he's gonna use, that it's you and I that's gonna be that, that mark in the sand, if you would, that the enemy can only come so close. I'm thankful for the church. 
What a mess this world would be, amen, without the church. I really believe that. Amen. The third thing to understand about this was uh, that it was God who, who gave the rain, who appointed the harvest. Now, the, the former and the latter. Uh, the beginning and the end. Uh, he allowed it to take seed and he allowed it to bear fruit. Uh, we might think that we got to where we are on our own, our hard work and, and our own talents, um, uh, but we have to remember it, it's God that giveth the increase. I need the whole church to say amen on that. It's God that get, we, we, you might have put your sweat into it. I'm thank God that we have put our sweat into it, uh, but it's God that gives the increase. And can I remind everybody here that the reason why we're having to sweat and the reason why we're having to dig and the reason why we're having to work is the result of sin. Because we thought we could do it on our own. That's how it started out. We thought we could, uh, Adam and Eve thought, well, if I just, I'll just go take the fruit and everything's going to be in my power and my control. I'll be like God. No, no, no. Can I tell you, the result of sin is the work that we do. Thank God for his grace that he just allows it to grow. We plant the seed, but it's God that giveth the increase. He allows us to eat. We've got to remember that. It's him. Spiritual death lies just on the other side of spiritual indifference and denial. I want everybody to remember that. I didn't put this up on the screen because I felt like I had enough slides for Brother Jordan to deal with back there today. But spiritual death lies just on the other side of spiritual indifference and spiritual denial. Um, your iniquities, look at this, your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholding good things from you. The, the wise man said in another place that the way of a transgressor is hard. Uh, and so here's an echo of that, of that particular verse. Your iniquities have turned away, turned away these things. What things, has the, what things have been turned away? The flood tide overtaking them and the former and the latter rain giving them, giving them uh, sustenance to live on. Those, those ways that they chose decided that God would withhold that rain and allow that flood. Uh, iniquities turn away the things of God, the flood from overtaking us, the, the rain from sustaining us. In other words, when we allow sin in our life, please everybody hear me right now. When we allow sin to remain in our life and we are comfortable with it, ultimately there is a consequence to it. Now mark the word today. Mark the word today on this July Sunday. We can entertain sin and allow sin so long in our life, but ultimately there is a reckoning. Sin bringeth forth death. I know that's a sobering thought, but it's something that we can't forget. Um, when sin is entertained, when it's tolerated, when it's lived with, it withholds good things from us. See this? When sin is entertained, when sin is tolerated, when sin is okay, when we're okay with it in our life, ultimately it withholds good things from us. Uh, the blessings that God would pour out on us are stymied and stayed. The hand of God, in other words, is denied. The hand of God is denied because we chose, we chose a way of life that withholds the good things, the blessings of God in our life. We said we're going to do our own thing. We're going to let God go over here and we'll just choose what we think is God and not God. I've said this many times. We cannot expect God to bless that which is not submitted to him. It's a principle of the word that God will not bless things that are not submitted to him. 
The good things that God would bless us with are held back when we do not put our life in a place of submission to him. I believe today, everybody hear me, I believe today that it is God's, it is his desire to bless you, to pour out a, a blessing on you and I that we, that we cannot contain. But understand, he blesses obedience. God blesses obedience and submission. He honors submission. He draws nigh to those that draw nigh to him. He's not a respecter of person. He gives everybody the same opportunity, but he draws nigh to those that draw nigh to him. Uh, you want your life blessed? Live for him. You, you want your business blessed? Honor him with it. You want your finances blessed? Be sacrificial and faithful in your giving. You want your family and, and kids and spouse to be blessed? Then faithfully surrender your life to God. You want to be saved? Then surrender to the Savior Jesus Christ today. It is a simple, it's not complicated. It's a simple equation. If we submit to God, if we get under the authority of his word, if we understand that God wants to bless us and that he's doing it for our good, then God will bless you. God will bless that which is submitted to him. Come on, every one of us in this place have found today that when we surrender things to God, whatever it might be, all the way from the thoughts in our mind to the, to the money in our pocket to the, to the a family that we reside with or the family that we care about that we got a problem with, when we put all that in the hands of God, it ultimately on the other side comes out better than when we had it at the first. Why? Because there is something about giving something to God and allowing God to say, I'm going to bless that because you surrendered it to me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You want to be saved today? Surrender to God. You want to be blessed today? Surrender to God. You want to be used of God? Pray not my will, but thy will be done. And mean it. God did not leave them. Understand this. I'm not going to leave you there just at that today. But understand this, God did not leave them. He did not leave them without hope and help. And he won't leave us either. Look at this, please. Nevertheless, in those days, saith the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. This is still Jeremiah 5. I will not make a full end with you. Mercy always, mercy always makes room for repentance. This is the wonderful thing about God. Mercy always makes room for repentance. The mercy of God, right here in the middle when they were denying that it was God, when they were saying, we're not going to listen, we're going to do our thing because God won't require it of us. We won't have to answer for the way we're living. God looks and says, I'm not going to make a full end of you. I'm going to give you a chance to get it right. I'm going to give you a space of grace. Musicians, if you would, please. There is room today. There is room today. There's room to change. There's, there's, there's a time given by God in Ezra. He said there's that space of grace, a little reviving. That's what God does. He gives us again and again the, the space of grace, the moment, the, the time to change, to, to get it right, to return, to be saved, because he doesn't make a full end of us. You understand this? He gives us a chance to, to hear the word. He gives us a chance to to see what he's doing, to see that his hand has been in it all along and that, and that the continuation of trusting him, even when it was difficult, the learning to stay, the learning just to stay put, the learning just to stay put. In other words, just to grow deeper so ultimately the, the fruit is born because if we continually uproot, then we will not be able to bear fruit because each time that we uproot, and we think that we're going to be replanted. It just takes that many more seasons to ultimately bear the fruit. I've seen people do this in their life time and time again, not knowing that it was God in the season of difficulty working for their good if they could just endure the difficult season. That's it. That's 
Because can I tell you there in the word when he came and he said, let me dig about it one more year and let me fertilize it and let me see if it'll grow if not and bear fruit. If not, then cut it down. Why was that? Because that's the nature of God. Difficult seasons make us bear the best fruit. If we can just learn to dig in and hold on and plant and realize that there's something down the line we don't see, but God does if we can just endure the storm for the moment. If we can know that his word is in it and that he's working all things together for our good. Amen. That's God. Because he still calls. He still gives the chance. He comes back season and season and season again. He, if, if we'll just simply only hear, if we'll just be sensitive in our hearing and, and sensitive in our vision and not lose the ability to hear from God and to see God and to feel God and to know that he's doing it just to save me. He's doing it just to save you because why? He just loves us that much. He's just that perfect in his love. And so today... I'm asking you to one more time realize that God is knocking. He is seeking to save those which are lost. He's calling back and asking you to come. He's asking you to recognize and understand this is a matter of life. It's not just about our matter of death. This is a matter of life. It is what we live. It is who we are. And that's how much he loves us. Come on, pray with me as we stand to our feet. They begin to sing right now. I wonder if you might come to this altar and repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost today. I wonder if maybe there's somebody in the sound of my voice who just says, God, I, I really need to get my eyes back on you. I need, I need to find that refreshing, that hope, that strength. I need to plant deeper, God, so that I might, might bear fruit upward, Lord. Come on, somebody pray it with me. God, right now I pray for the young men in the sound of my voice. That God, they would recognize their future is in your hands and help them to dedicate who they are and what they are to you so that they might be used of you. Come on, find a place to pray in this church right now. Young ladies, I pray, God, that you would touch them to help them to know that you have set a course for their life that is undeniable. And Lord, that you won't abandon them in, in a moment that might seem difficult or it might seem lonely. Help them to realize, God, that you heard them the first time that they prayed. For the middle-aged and the elder saints and the young couples in the sound of my voice, help them to know that you are for their life and you have been present and you will be present, God. And you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, you'll not make a full end of us, but you will give us the opportunity to come back, to get it right, to be saved yet again. Come on, pray with me, church. Come on, let this, let this be something that resonates in your heart. I, I must be saved. I must be saved. I must be saved. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, that's it. Pray, oh God. I must be saved.